For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another victory edition of the Believe in Lions podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V, and I am joined, as always, by the all-pro safety, the interception leader, and the all-star co-host of the Believe in Lions podcast, the one, the only, Glover Quinn. What's up? Just enjoying life, just been coasting ever since the Lions dominated the Jacksonville Jaguars, 40 to 14. When you come off a win like that, it makes the rest of the week just so much better. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you have games where, you know, this is what you expect, right? But they don't do that, right? So it's great to have a game where you expect them to come out and dominate the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. You expect them to be dominant offensively and really defensively. You expect that if you consider yourself a pretty good football team, right? Jacksonville is better, obviously, but they're still not there yet. So you expect to have a game like that. Sometimes it don't happen. So it feels great when it does happen and you can go out and have a dominant offensive and defensive performance, even special teams. I think I saw a stat that said it's the first time since 2019, whatever, 2003 maybe, that a team scored on every possession that they had the ball. That means no turnovers, no punts. Like every possession you had the ball, you scored. That's huge. Absolutely massive. I believe it was eight straight drives that resulted in points of some sort. The only drive that didn't was at the end of the game when they took a knee, and that doesn't count as a drive. That's game over. Lions played possibly their best football game in the first week of December. Lions, according to Dan Campbell, he says they've played their best game for five weeks straight. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I'd put the Bills game up above some of the other wins, but they have been rolling. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, hockey, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. 
They have, man. I mean, I was talking to, uh, I think, my brother-in-law the other day. And he's like, man, no, nobody wants to play the Lions right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we and we knew offensively that they had that. They just went through that stretch at the wrong time with key guys being injured, right? But now getting the mon back, I mean, he's in the end zone every week. He's he's just creating separation, catching touchdowns. And also I saw that he was uh, drafted in the fourth round, pick number 112. I know somebody else that was drafted in the fourth round, pick number 112 too. I won't call his name, but you can Google that. 2009, <laughs> fourth rounder, 112. Um, so Amon probably got a pretty good career. That's pretty. That's a pretty good number. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean he's playing phenomenal. But getting Josh Josh Reynolds back and getting DJ Chark back, making big catches against his former team, I know that felt good. So getting some of those guys back just clears up space for everybody else. And then getting you know DeAndre Swift back out there and and Jamal continuing to be who he is. And Jared Goff, you know, getting spreading the ball around. Um, I mean, they're, they're, the offensively, they've been good all year. They just, you know, had some struggles um, when those guys got injured. But then when your offense is playing well, your defense is getting a lot better. And you can do that. You know what I'm saying? They scored 45 points on the Philadelphia Eagles. The defense just wasn't up to par, and they gave up 48. But they put up 45 points on the top team in the NFL. So they can score points with anybody. They can. And lately it just shows it's all coming together. Last year, December was the time that Amon Ross St. Brown really broke out, really established himself as a premier threat for the lions. But again, it was only over those final four games. So you got to see more of it now this year. And again, he was hurt for a period of time. So we're going to Ignore that because it's hard to produce when you've got a high ankle sprain. Right. However, now that he's healthy, over his last four games, Amon Ross St. Brown is averaging. This is his average over that period of time. 11 targets or 11 receptions on 12. Tar- no, sorry. Where am I looking at here? Last four games. Sorry. Here we go. Nine receptions on 10 targets. So gets targeted 10 times, only one incompletion per game. 109 yards, and he has three touchdowns in those four games. And keep in mind, the only game he didn't top 100 yards over the last four weeks was the blowout against the Giants when he went for 70 yards and didn't need any more than that. And quite possibly the most impressive thing about Amon Ross St. Brown, all of his third down targets go for first downs. First downs. He leads the NFL in first downs, first downs gained on third. 18.2% of his routes run result in a first down on third. Oh, yeah, that's huge. That's that's phenomenal. And, and I mean, he's that blanket in the middle that's going to move the change for you. He's he's creating separation across the ball on the sidelines. He's doing a lot to move the chains. And now he's getting in the end zone. That, that just creates a whole nother, you know, situation for a defense. It's just hard. It's just hard to defend all those different weapons. And then especially when you get DJ Chark and, and these other guys continuing to make plays and they're getting back healthier. So offensively, they're scary. And like I said, defensively, they've been playing better. You know, your offense can control the ball and score points. And defensively, you can get a couple of key turnovers, whole teams or whatever. I mean, it's hard to score 40 points in the NFL. But if your team can score 40, it's hard to give up 40, man. Like, you, you just got to play solid defense. 
And they've been doing that. So it's been fun to watch these last few weeks. You know, even the Bills game that they lost, it still was a fun game to watch them play and compete. And, you know, even though they lost that game, I feel like it gave them a lot of confidence knowing that, man, we competed. We were right there with one of the top teams, and we probably could have won that game. Um, you know, a bounce here or there, you know, a coverage, a long field goal, whatever you you have it. So I think they lost that game, but I think it still gave them a lot of confidence. And, you know, for them to come off that game and to come back into this game, having that weekend off and being able to have a dominant performance like that, it was just incredible. It really was. And this was the first time in forever that we also saw more DeAndre Swift than Jamal Williams. Swift played 51% of the snaps. He outcarried Jamal Williams and he goes for a hundred yards from scrimmage on the day, both as a receiver and on the ground. Deandre Swift is back in full also had a goal line touchdown, which has been Jamal Williams specialty lately. So just seeing everyone get healthy, seeing this offense click and knowing that it could get even better because we didn't see very much Jamison Williams. I believe he played only eight snaps. He only ran two routes, didn't catch his target, but it was kind of a throwaway more than a target. But everyone before the game made a big deal. And I don't know if you heard this or not, but Jay Glazer reported that we're going to see Jamison Williams as a gunner on special teams. This didn't happen. But the internet lost their mind. How could you play your first round receiver as a gunner on special teams? How could you do this? He He's coming off an ACL. This is why the Lions are the Lions. Hold on. He was a gunner at Alabama and was amazing at it. And doesn't he have to learn to get back to game speed anyway? So what's the problem here? Yeah, I wouldn't put him at gunner. No. No. Awful. I mean, that's one of the hardest positions to do in football. Coming off of ACL, I mean, as a gunner, you're running down trying to tackle the punt returner. So if they go single coverage on the outside, yeah, that's easy because it's just it's one guy out there. You make a move on him and you just outrun everybody. But when they put two guys out there and now you're trying to fight off two guys, you get rid of one, you got another one hitting you. Coming up to ACL, you don't need to be out there gunner, or boss. Mm-mm. Don't do that. That's good to don't know. Don't do that. Don't do that. No. Not coming up to ACL. If he was just a rookie rookie, yeah, put him out there gunner, let him just play and, you know, get a couple welcome into the NFLs and this and this and that. Coming off the ACL, no. That's interesting. And that does make a lot more sense to me because I thought I know you are a big special teams fan. You got to be able to play special teams. It's important. But the injury with the knee, I can I can understand that just maybe they're doing it in practice. And maybe that was overreacted by the media because would you have an issue with him being a a scout team gunner in practice? Yeah, I mean. My first round draft pick coming off of ACL in, in week 14, he don't need to be doing no gunner stuff. Gotcha. Uh-uh. Gotcha. So Not just at this mo- point. Because you're so close to the end of the season. So you don't, you know, if he's going to get injured again, you will want that to be him running a route or him catching the pass. Like, you didn't draft him in the first round to be a gunner. Let's just call it what it is, right? Even though he has that ability, it be, it'd be different if he was the punt returner. Right. But you didn't draft. You got plenty of backup corners or safeties or backup wide receivers that can run down there as a gunner. 
You didn't draft Jamison Williams that early. You didn't trade up to get him to to have him play Gunner. So I wouldn't do it in practice either, right? Because mm -mm. especially at this point in the season, because if something happens at this point in the season, now it goes over into next season. So you don't really want that. If he's going to go down, I will want him going down, running a route, and it just happens again. Not, not being a gunner. Nah. Gotcha. And like I say, all because of the injury. If he was a healthy first-round rookie, yeah, put him at gunner, you know, let him get beat up a little bit, have fun, you know what I'm saying, make him earn his stripes. I understand that. Coming off the ACL, though, I wouldn't do it. That makes a lot more sense. I can I can uh, get on board with that because, yeah, we just need to see more Jameson. I want more Jameson. I know eight routes is amazing. It's impressive. But the fan in me is just clamoring for all of the Jameson Williams. And, and I think that I think that was good that they played a game like that last week. And being they were being that they were up that much. Yeah, I probably would have liked to see them you know, take a shot to him at some point in the game to later in the game, just to, just to let the fans see him run and give him an opportunity to catch a pass. But at the end of the day, when you're dominating a game like that, putting him out there for eight plays, you know, it's week 13, you know, these guys been playing no week. It's week 13. Now last week was week 12. I think, I mean, these guys been playing a lot of games. They're they're in game shape. Their bodies are in game shape. Jameson hasn't. You know, he's been running and working out at the facility, I'm sure. But he just hasn't been playing games. So just to put him out there a couple of times, just so he just get a feel for being in, on the field. You know what I'm saying? But the pressure of having to go out and perform and catch 10, 12 passes and this and this and that, it's not there. But we're going to let you get out there and, you know, have a little contact with somebody, go block somebody, and just kind of feel the, the game a little bit. And, you know, luckily we didn't really need you this game, but we can work you back in because next week against Minnesota we might need you. So, And next week against Minnesota is going to be interesting because I just got word about half an hour ago that the lines have dropped and the Detroit Lions are two and a half point favorites over the Minnesota Vikings. Vegas has the Lions winning. No one wants to play the Lions right now. No one. No one. And I mean, they playing in Detroit too, huh? They went to they went to Minnesota the first time, huh? Yep. It almost won. Yeah, the Lions, the Lions always play Minnesota tough. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I mean, I'm gonna pick the Lions to win, but oh, yeah. I, I I almost pick them every weekend, except when they was going on a stretch. I had to be a little realistic at the time, but like now I pick them. I mean, I picked them to beat Buffalo. You know what I'm saying? I and you know, but um, yeah, Vegas two and and they give them two and a half points. Oh yeah, got to go with the Lions. It's an exciting time to be a Detroit Lions fan. And, and I think they're going to get in the playoffs, man. I was saying it. They win Sunday. They're going to get in. If they, they win. Because like we were talking about last time, what is what? The race to nine? I think it's going to be very difficult for the Giants to get to nine. I think it's going to be very difficult for the Commanders to get to nine. That tie did not help them. In that scenario, that tie did not help them. In my opinion, because now I think the commanders got 
four out of their five or tough games, maybe. I think I think the Giants got to play the Eagles twice. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you may catch the Eagles in week 17 or 18, and they don't need the game, and you know, you may sneak. But for the most part, the Giants and the Commanders got a tough last four games. And then the Seahawks, you know. But the Lions ain't really worried about the Seahawks in a sense. They trying to get to nine over the Giants and the Commanders and use the tiebreaker. And there's a chance that the Lions could even get above nine if they beat Minnesota. If they get, if they win out, they're a 10 win team. And we talked about it last week. The Giants had to go three and two and the Commanders had to go three and three, I believe is how we were looking at it. Maybe it was flip flop, Mm -hmm. but either way, that tie adds another win they have to get to get to that 10 win. Now they have to win four games right. for both of them. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening. Especially I mean, when they, they got to play, play each other. Play each other. I don't see one of them. One of them not going to get to 10. And the other, neither one of them is going to get to 10. I'm just going to say that right now. Neither one of those teams are going to get to 10. If the Lions get to 10, they're definitely in. If they get to nine, I think they get in as well. I'm starting to think so. I will. I'm not starting to. I've been saying it for weeks, but I'm starting to get even more confident. It is starting to seem like the Lions are destined for the playoffs. And the best part, they're going to be facing, unless something crazy happens and Minnesota blows it, they're going to be facing the Vikings in the first round. Mm-hmm. And and Minnesota could blow it because, I, I mean, Dallas is right there. You know? Dallas has to get over the Eagles, though. Uh, yeah, he, true, true statement, true statement. Dallas won't be number two. You're right. They they can be 12 wins and still not get over the Eagles. So, yeah, it's yeah. more than likely it will be Minnesota. Yeah. The 49ers are the only – because we, we know the Buccaneers and we know the Falcons aren't catching them. So, it's, it's – no. the 49ers would have to surge no. and the Vikings would have to fall. Yeah. Yeah, the Vikings are going to be number two. Because, I mean, the Vikings don't have anybody that's left to play but us. I mean, division games, they're going to be – Packers, if they play them again, they'll beat the Bears. I don't know who else they got, but I think they've got a pretty easy end of yeah, the season. Yeah, they don't play all the tough teams. So and outside of the Lions game, they should they should they should handle the end of their season. So yeah, they'll be in the two spot. And, and they, that's gonna put the Lions in a division game. Because they're gonna be they're gonna go beat Minnesota. They are. They are and if, if the Vikings win on Sunday, they clinch the division. But if the Lions beat the Vikings, the Lions still technically have a shot at the NFC North. It is pro- almost certainly not going to happen. But again, if you told me heading into the second week of December that the Lions were not eliminated from the NFC North race, I would be thrilled. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No question. No question. Good- and... Like we've always said, you want to be playing meaningful 
football games in November, December. And they did enough in November by winning, what, three out of four or four out of five, however many they played, because I know November was a little longer month, right? I think they played three or four games. However, they did enough to give themselves a chance to be playing meaningful games in December because they could have tricked off November and then they would have been home for the holidays already, right? But they did enough in November to give themselves meaningful games in December, and that's what you want. And you got Minnesota, that's a big game. Once you beat Minnesota, the Jets game becomes a huge game. You beat the Jets, the Panthers game come a huge game. You beat the Panthers, the Bears game is a huge game. You beat the Bears, the Packers is a huge game. Like, every last one of these games get bigger and bigger and bigger as you go down the stretch. So, good job to them for giving themselves a chance. Now they got to go and make sure make it happen. They do. They do. Looking back to the last game for a second, though, Trevor Lawrence, after the game, came out and said, you know, we've lost eight games, but I've never felt embarrassed about a loss. The way we played, the way we were completely dominated. Trevor Lawrence, 179 yards passing, 32 yards rushing. He wasn't able to accomplish a whole lot. Sacked twice. Once was a half sack for Aiden Hutchinson. Love to see him getting in on the action. And the nose tackle, Benito Jones. And then our guy, James Houston, becomes the second Detroit Lions player ever to record three sacks in his first two NFL games. The only other player to do it was Aiden Hutchinson, who got three sacks in his second NFL game. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was good to see. Like I said, the defense is doing doing good and they're doing good enough. They're getting enough rush. I think James Houston has has brought a different dimension to the rush. He brings some speed off the edge. He brings some athleticism off the edge. I think he's added to to their rush. And once you have to worry about him, that opens things up for Aiden Hutchinson. That opens things up for different guys coming on blitzes and different guys coming on just rushes, D linemen. So that's a huge, huge, huge addition to the pass rush that they didn't have at the beginning of the season. And we've seen sack numbers, numbers, you know, going up, in my opinion, these last couple of weeks with big sacks against the Bills and then coming back, you know, this past week with big sacks on, on Trevor Lawrence. And it's multiple players, too, because even remember a couple of weeks ago, Aleem McNeil was starting to get some pressure from that nose tackle position. Aiden Hutchinson has had some highs. John Kaminsky, who's a rotational end who kind of rushes from the middle. He didn't get a sack, but he had a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. It's been really fun to watch actual pressure on the quarterbacks. And with Hutchinson, the stats aren't eye popping a half sack and two tackles, but the thing that I've enjoyed the most about Aiden Hutchinson is he's so much more controlled than he was at the start of the year before he was just relentless to the point of recklessness. And now he's setting the edge. He's staying home on bootlegs. He's not letting athletic quarterbacks get outside of him. See, you, you learn. And I used to tell players this all the time when I played because you learn, right? Every play is not your play to make. And I think for young players, especially a first-rounder coming in with a motor, I think they feel like they can make every play. Every play is not your play to make. So then that forces you to be patient. And when you do that, 
if you got the bootleg or you got the reverse or you got that, if that if that's your responsibility on this play, then you take care of that. Because that one time that they run the reverse, you're going to be there. The one time that they run the bootleg, you're going to be there. But the one time that they fake it, you're going to be there. So it tells the people up in the booth, hey, he's not biting down. We can't run the reverse. Hey, let's be careful when we try to run the boot because he's not, he's not, you know what I'm saying? So when you're running all out of control, you're trying to make every single play. And you're not really doing your responsibility because you end up trying to do somebody else's responsibility. If you understand, every play is not my play to make. Now, when I say not your play to make, there's times that you make plays, but you don't make tackles. Setting the edge and forcing the running back to run to, to cut up the middle and Malcolm Rodriguez comes down and make a big tackle, you made the play. Because if you let him get outside, Malcolm Rodriguez can't catch him, right? We used to always say those guys are faster, right? But if you make him come up the middle, now we can get him. And so when you jump inside to try to make that play and you let him get outside, you hurt the team. When you stay outside and set the edge and you force him up and we get to hit him and get a tackle, you don't get credit for the tackle, but you really made the play. So once you play enough and you start to understand, I can make plays without making tackles and this and this and that. And then when it's my opportunity to make tackles, I have to make the tackles. And I think that's what we've seen from Aiden these last few games is he's getting more comfortable He's understanding how to play the game, and he's taking care of his responsibility. And that's why we've seen interceptions from him, just reading his man. Your guys swing you by as a blocker. They don't just let you run free in the NFL. Every now and then, somebody miss a tackle. But that's what – I mean, miss a block. But that's why you see when those D linemen come off the edge or they come and they're just absolutely free, it kind of freaks them out a little bit. Like, they're just like, hold on. There's no way I'm supposed to be free. Like, what am I – like, what's – you know what I'm saying? It's the NFL. They don't just let you go hit the quarterback. So if that guy's blocking you and he throw you by, you know something is going on. You got to put your foot in the ground and turn around. And that's what they teach. Sometimes it's harder for those guys to execute that. But that's what they teach. And Aiden being young, he was able to put that together a few times this season. And it led to him catching an interception. And then it led to, you know, Jeff Okuda getting his first interception. So that's just taking care of your business. And some of these stats that you read, they are so forced together, but it's still always impressive. So you look at it. Aiden Hutchinson is the first NFL defensive lineman to have six sacks and two interceptions in a season since Jared Allen and Julius Peppers in 2010. Now that's impressive, but it's also pretty rare that defensive linemen get two interceptions in a season period. And we need more than six sacks consistently. So it's nice. It's a feel-good thing. But the NFL and the team PR departments love to find any stat they can to make it make things look as good as possible. Right. And, I mean, I think, you know, we say these things. And, 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 and the game is so weird, man. You have to wait to the end to see its totality. Yeah, because he got six sacks right now and two interceptions. He's actually in great company, especially with four or five games left. We're playing an immobile quarterback next week. He could go out and have three sacks Sunday. And now he's at nine with two interceptions. 
and then you got three games left for four games to get one sack. Now you went double, you know what I'm saying? Like he has six sacks. But like I say, we playing Kirk Cousins one game. You know, who knows who's going to be playing in the last game of the season for Green Bay? Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers? going to be somebody else, right? You got, you know, Justin Fields would be tough if he's still out there. You know, Mike White in, 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 in the Jets. You know, he's a sackable quarterback. You look at um, Sam Darnold in, in Carolina. Like, he's going to play three games back-to-back with very high I – mean, could be sackable quarterbacks. And, I mean, he could go four or five sacks in the next three games, and you're looking at 11 sacks. he end up in the Pro Bowl. It could happen. <laughs> it could happen like that. I mean, you look at the first game, he had zero. He come back week two, he got three. Oh, you're getting me excited, Glover. We're <laughs> I'm just saying. Real you, so you just got to look at the totality of it. Right now, it may not look like this and this and that. He only got six sacks. But, man, it only takes one game, and you got nine. You look up at the end of the season, Aiden had 12 sacks and two interceptions, two forced fumbles, a fumble. Like, man, he had a solid year. When you're seeing it week to week, week in and week out, sometimes it may feel like, because it's inconsistent, right? You go zero sacks, then three sacks, then nothing, then nothing, then one. Then so it's not a consistent every week he's making a sack or every week he's making a play or this and this and that. He'll go a few games without an impact play, but then he'll go on a three-game stretch where he has a bunch of impact plays. Right. So we just gotta look at it at the end of the season, man. It's going to be a fun journey to the end of the season. Last kind of subject I wanted to touch on was the wide receivers of the Jaguars versus the Lions defensive backs, because Mike Hughes, who had a great game against the Buffalo Bills, really did a good job on Stephon Diggs. He wasn't covering Diggs on that play to end the game, which was unfortunate, but had a really good game this week. He was not in the game plan at all. Instead, they went with Jeff Akuda and Jerry Jacobs, the second year out of Arkansas State. But is it, it almost feels as though it's a week-to-week evolving strategy for the Lions in the secondary, where it's so much more matchup-based than we saw at the start of the year, where it was just, Amani, you're here. Jeff, you're here. Yeah, I mean that's really how it is, you know. With Jeff coming back now, you got your start. You got your you got your number one cornerback, and so now it's about okay, what are what are our matchups? What what does it look like? You know, especially if guys are what and what these guys are kind of the same, or you know they're totally different. This guy does better with smaller shifter receivers. This guy does better with some of the bigger guys. So just all depends on what the game plan was and. You know, it sucks that you're in that situation where your role varies based on game plan, right? You want to be one of those guys that doesn't matter. I'm out there, right? Um, but sometimes it'd be like that. And that means you got good guys that can play um, and just keeps you going. Week in and week out, you got to go out and earn it every day. And, you know, but I think the line secondary has been playing a lot better. And, you know, we don't give up big passes and things like that. You give yourself a chance. They do, and they really have. They've really tightened it up. There's so much more competition than at the start of the year. Remember, it was Amani is one, Jeff and Will, you're fighting for two. And everyone else, you're just all backups. Now it's yeah. like Jerry Jacobs is in the lineup, Mike Hughes is in, Will Harris is in the slot. But almost a little concerning, because this is the third week in a row where 
we've been vulnerable to the slot. Christian Kirk, he goes for over 100 yards. He's 58% of the passing game. And it wasn't a big deal against the Giants that we gave up a bunch of yards to the slot to the slot receiver because it was just dinks and dunks. But then against the Bills, it really reared its ugly head when Stephon Diggs took that 40-yarder from the slot. Then again, this week, it's not that big of a deal because the Lions were so dominant, but it just has me thinking just a little bit. Yeah, you need good play on the inside. And and I and I would say this, you know, the thing that probably hurt with Buffalo is they had two guys, right? They got Gabe Davis that you got to worry about. They had Isaiah McKenzie, and then they had uh, Stephon Diggs, right? So that's where you kind of run into problems. Like when you look at the Giants, you look at the Jaguars, you know, Christian Kirk going for however many yards he went for. I mean, I don't even know if Marvin Jones had a catch. He had you know 17 yards on one reception. Yeah, you know, I don't – I mean – I can't think of another receiver. I mean, Zay Jones dropped two passes and, you know, you look back at the Giants, you know, the guy, I can't remember, Wendell. um, Wondell Robinson. Wondell Robinson had a couple plays, but who else did anything? So if you can go into a game and say, okay, well, that slot guy is going to catch, you know, a few passes and have, you know, 75 to 110 yards, but nobody else is really going to do anything. I mean, you see Trevor Lawrence had 170 yards passing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I don't think that scares you as much. But it scares you when they got guys on the outside that can make plays as well, right? So when you played against Minnesota, they had guys on the outside that can make plays. Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. So then we got exploited a couple of times in the slot with Isaiah McKenzie running across field, catching a touchdown. And then obviously at the end of the game with Stephon Diggs. So when they got multiple receivers – the 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 glare in the middle shows up when they don't have that many guys on the outside that can hurt you then we can we can survive with those 80 90 yards from the slot but you can't survive with those 80 90 from the slot when you got guys on the outside giving you another 110 115 or just creating that pressure that's that's difficult to defend and that's what's going to be so pivotal pivotal this coming weekend against the Minnesota Vikings is Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, they can all mix and match. They can all play X. They can all play Z. They can all play slot. They can do whatever you want, but that's what's going to make it so pivotal is can we shut down Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and just rely on KJ Osborne? But then there's also the TJ Hawkinson question that's going to be glaring this coming weekend. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like I said, unless it was black, unless it was bad blood between those guys, I don't think it'd be that bad of a thing. No, you know he played there; he'll be happy to see his buddies and stuff like that. Now, if it was bad blood between the coaching staff and him, or they just didn't like him, you know, maybe maybe they were real with him, you know, because at that point in the season, the Lions wasn't five and seven. You know what I'm saying? They were probably two and seven or two and six. You know what I'm saying? At that point in the season, so. They may have kept it real with him and told him, like, hey, this is kind of where we are. You know, we want to we, we keep you here, but we know that we're not going to be able to pay you and, you know, rather just let you leave in free agency. We'd rather get something for you and be able to put you in a trade. Maybe they kept it real with him, and it wasn't bad blood. And he maybe understood it and was like, okay, I understand, and it's just part of it. If it was bad blood that, you know, he wasn't in favor with the coaching staff or they didn't this or that or – 
you know, they just traded him and didn't show any kind of respect to him in that sense, then, yeah, he'll probably be fired up. He's going to be fired up anyway because it's his old teammate, but he'll have a little extra fire if he knew it was something different. And I think it'll just be the regular fire, excited to see your buddies, excited to play against the team that drafted you. It really seems as though this new Lions organization is just straight shooters with the players. They're honest. It's like we saw with Matthew Stafford going to the Rams. It was a win-win. They let him pick his destination. I struggle to imagine that there's any bad blood between the Lions and Hawkinson, but who knows? We'll see on Sunday. Haven't heard anything from TJ Hawkinson negative about his time in Detroit. Unlike AJ Brown with the Tennessee Titans, I don't know if you saw this, but the Titans ended up firing their general manager today after AJ Brown put a whooping on them. Yeah, I said this like so. I was on the phone with my uh, with my my best friend, and uh, I I saw the notification come up: Titans fired GM. I was like, uh, AJ Brown. I got that man fired. They played AJ Brown on Sunday. He torched him like that Tuesday. They done fired the GM. Why you let him go? Like, why we did whatever? Why'd you piss him off? Why'd you, whatever you did, you got to go. And that blew my mind. It was truly a <laughs> he midseason played... with a 10, with an eight win team, seven win team, whatever. We're getting ready to go in the playoffs. You done fired the GM. Yeah. That's not something you see too often. And AJ Brown is just phenomenal. He's phenomenal. The Eagles are phenomenal. It's going to be a fun rest of the season, not only for the Lions, but across the NFL, there are so many good games still to come. A lot a lot of good games. I mean, they wanted me to do upset pick last week, and I was just like, I didn't really see any games on the docket that would have been deemed as, like, upset games. You know what I'm saying? Like, Chiefs and Bengals, that's not upset. Commanders and Giants, that's not upset. Lions and uh, – I mean, I guess it, looking at how the, the Lions beat the Jags, if the Jags would have beat the Lions, that might have been the biggest upset <laughs> of the weekend. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the Texans and the Browns, that's not an upset. It, Being, I mean, the Vikings over Jets, and, Bucks yeah. over Saints. Yeah, those are not upsets. The Jets are a really good football team. The Vikings are a good football team. If the Jets would have beat the Vikings, I don't feel like that would have been like an upset. That would have been, hey, that's a good game. And the Jets found a way to win, but like when you get into upsets with me, that's why you know when when the Lions were two and something, and they were playing, might have been the Packers, and I was like, that's gonna be the upset of the week, or was it the Packers? Whoever, somebody. I think, was, I, I think it was that Packers game. No, I beat the Giants. It was the Giants. Oh yeah, the Giants were seven and something. And the Lions were like three and something. I was like, that's going to be the upset pick of the week. That's that's with the way the Lions playing. You're like, bro, the Lions got a chance. But when you look at the record, you got a three-win team playing against a, a seven-win team, six-seven-win team. That's, that's an upset. It is. And I'm sure we'll see some upsets on Sunday. We'll be talking about that more this next show that we're doing, the preview show, Lions versus Vikings. But – until then, Glover, do you have any pluggables to plug? Any final thoughts around the NFL? Nah, man. This is, like you said, this is gearing up to be a great end of the season. Um, you know, excited that I'm actually into it this year, understanding what's going on and and, and, and knowing the storylines. And so it's exciting times. I'm excited. I'm 
glad to be doing this right here and getting to talk about it. So appreciate you being a great, great host this whole season. And let's finish strong like the NFL. You are too kind. I will do my best to continue to be a great host. So happy to get to work with you each and every week. Can't wait to talk about this Vikings matchup because everything you said just has me so excited to see this game. Make sure if you are betting on the lines to cover that two and a half point spread, you are using our friends over at betonline.ag. And until then, when we preview this star-making performance from the Lions that's about to happen, we will see you next time. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.